On this week's Adam Schefter podcast, it is draft week. Finally, one of the biggest weeks of the NFL year. And we have an equally big podcast to bring to you today, starting with the ESPN draft experts, Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay, as we explore places that people have not heard about before. Then, ESPN NFL researcher Evan Kaplan will join us to provide some insight into the potential number one pick Kyler Murray and the plethora of quarterbacks who could go in the first round of this upcoming draft. Then, one of those quarterbacks himself, Ohio State's Dwayne Haskins, will join us, as will the Stanford running back Bryce Love. But first, Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay. Who else would you rather talk to than the men in the room with me right now? Long time... (laughs) NFL ESPN draft expert Mel Kuyper. This is the 40th year for ESPN's draft coverage. Mm-hmm. This will be your 36th year. Yeah, 41st year in the business. That's yeah. a long time, Mel. Yeah, long time. Mel yeah. Kuyper Jr., one of our guests. Todd McShay, another draft expert. These are the two men you want to have on your podcast. They have their own podcast, the First Draft Podcast, available wherever you get your podcast. But I appreciate both of you guys being on my podcast today. Good to be in here. This Draft week, the best week of the year. This is, this is it, the best man. Week of the year? This yep. is it. Like holiday season, yeah. It really is, isn't yeah. it? So when we look at this draft, Todd, what is the most intriguing storyline to you as we head into Thursday night? Kyler Murray. I mean, he's one of the most intriguing players we've ever had in the draft. You think back a year ago, he hadn't even, well, he technically started a game could because Baker Mayfield was... Uh, was suspended for the one series, and he wound up with a, I think, a 63-yard run on that on that that game. But he really wasn't. He was just a backup player. He was signed to, to play baseball. He had to negotiate with the A's uh, to go back and play college football and, and start. He basically just bet on himself. He made a bet. He's got 4.66 million dollars with the Oakland A's in guaranteed money with that contract sitting there waiting for him, and he risks injury by playing, but he also takes a shot on on himself, knowing that, hey, if I have a great year, maybe I can go play football, and if I'm the first pick in the NFL draft, which he very well could be, I could be looking at $30 million guaranteed. So that's a, a twenty, basically a $25-plus million dollar bet he made on himself that he's, that he's, that he's close to cash, to cash in. Which he's, a, he's about to cash. Pretty amazing story. I mean, there were guys I talked to, the area scouts, getting, as I was preparing for games this year. We had back-to-back games that they played. Um, Texas Tech was the second one, and I remember starting, you know, wanting to know because he was playing so well. Wanted to know if guys who were area scouts, what they had for him in terms of grades, what what they thought. Had they spent time working on him? And the two guys I talked to were like, no. No. Like, he's either going back to school and and will play for another year, so I'll have time next year to evaluate him, or he's going to go play baseball next year. So I'm not going to waste the time. i got four offensive linemen for Oklahoma, a bunch of other players coming out from this class that I'm going to you know, focus my time and effort on. So even into late October, NFL teams weren't even thinking about this guy as a possibility, and now he could be the number one overall pick by a team that used the 10th overall pick and traded up for it a year ago to draft a quarterback. I mean, it's fascinating stuff. Yeah, a gamble that no baseball team will ever take again. This, you'll remember Russell Wilson was a test case for the shorter quarterback. Yeah. And it helped, obviously, Kyler Murray. This is a test case for the for the Oakland Athletics, what they did with Billy Bean. Never allow a kid that you're going to draft in the top ten with the have the opportunity to be a go play a year of football and give him a chance to showcase those skills. And you lose that pick and you get nothing. They got nothing in return right. for that pick. No compensation. But to spin it forward to the question you asked Todd, Adam, I think it's the Giants-Redskins in the middle of the first round of 15 mm. and 17. Because we assume Murray goes one, then it gets down to Haskins, Locke, and Daniel Jones, who's a polarizing figure that even Todd and I have a debate on and a, and a disagreement on how good he can be. The Giants didn't take Josh Allen or Sam Darnold last year. The Bills and the Jets feel like they have a franchise quarterback. The Giants still don't. If they pass on Haskins at six, the Redskins are at 15, they're at 17. What happens there? How does that all go? Do the Miami Dolphins figure we'll worry about Tua next year? Or do they look at a quarterback this year? I think that middle part, the Cincinnati look for the heir apparent to Andy Dalton or a challenger for Andy Dalton. Does Denver look for the heir apparent to Joe Flacco or a challenger for Joe Flacco? I think 10 to, to 17, what those teams do with Haskins, 
Locke and Jones, with Murray going number one, I think it's the most interesting part of the first round. And you didn't even mention the Josh Rosen element to this whole thing, which he, I, also is a right, big part that was, of this. That's your deal, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> your deal is, I'm, we're draft. We, we talked about Rosen enough last year. Your, your deal is, and that's why I always ask you, where is Josh Rosen going? Because we know, we're pretty sure Murray's going yeah. one. Where is Rosen traded? Who wants Josh Rosen? And who will go up the first options, round pick for him? Three options on Josh Rosen. Mm-hmm. Three primary options. The New York Giants. Mm-hmm. The Miami Dolphins mm-hmm. and the Los Angeles Chargers. Two mid first and one late first. If he gets a first. Now, if two of those teams get in mm-hmm. on him, then it might wind up being a one on Josh Rosen. Mm-hmm. If there's only one team, then maybe it's a two. But when you look at Josh Rosen, the thing that I think people have to remember is not only is it the talent, mm-hmm. but it's the salary. We saw Russell Wilson last week get $35 million a year. Right, and if you look at Josh Rosen's contract in this particular case, you got a guy that's supposed to be making one point two million dollars mm-hmm. this year, one point nine million next year, mm-hmm. two point nine million the year after, Huge. and then the fifth year option. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you're picking up yeah. Josh Rosen, you're getting not only a guy who has some ability, although people are across the board, right? But you're getting a contract where the Cardinals paid him the bonus money. Yeah. Up front. Very favorable. It's a huge savings. Now, if the guy can't play, I don't care if he's free. (laughs) It doesn't matter. Right, right. right. But But if you believed in him going into last year's draft, there's nothing that he did in Arizona that's going to prevent you from making that move. If you thought he was a good prospect last year, I thought he held up okay at Arizona. I watched the games. I mean, for what he had around him, which was nothing, okay, hardly. I mean, he had some, but not much. I would say a team that liked him going into last year's draft, if it is one of those teams, and they had to like him then, and they should like him now. But it's interesting because last year mm-hmm. he was one of the most polarizing figures yep. in the draft, and this year while yep. we're talking about Murray and Haskins yep. and Locke and Jones, one of the most polarizing figures once again is Josh Rosen. A right. year later, not much right. has changed. If you're talking about the Redskins and, say, the Dolphins or wherever it may be, you have to figure, do we like Rosen better than Locke and Jones? And Haskins, how do we feel about Rosen against those three? So how so how does Rosen compare to the guys this year with the grades that you gave him compared to these guys in this quarterback My class? grade last year on Rosen was slightly better than any of the quarterbacks in this class. I mean, very slightly. 92 compared to a 91 yeah. for Kyler Murray, and then I have a 90 on, on the other two guys. Yeah, he was one of the big three. I mean, we at different stages, I do that top 25 big board starting in August, and I update it every two weeks during the year. And Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold were flip-flopping. The three were kind of mixing and matching and moving around, but they were always very highly rated. And that group, and Baker Mayfield jumped in there late after he had that phenomenal year. So you had four quarterbacks all jumping around that top spot. So Josh Rosen would have had, if you go to his grade, is higher than any of these quarterbacks. And I think a lot of people, now, some teams didn't like Josh Rosen nope. much. Okay, we know that. Some teams didn't like Josh Allen. Some teams didn't like Sam Darnold. Some teams didn't believe in Baker Mayfield. A lot of the old guard didn't believe in Baker Mayfield. So they were all over the place last year. You can always find teams that do not like a quarterback. Of course. Every year you can find that. Peyton Manning, I had a team tell, call me. I told you this story. It's a true story. No, I'm made, made up that they said if his name was Peyton Jones, not Peyton Manning, he'd be a third-round draft choice. Hey, you know what? Let me tell you something. I went into my notes every year. Mm-hmm. You're taking notes from the GMs, right. the head coaches, yep. and the personnel mm-hmm. directors that you speak to. Mm-hmm. And I went back into my notes on Josh Rosen last year. Mm-hmm. Some prominent people in this league, right? Mm-hmm. One guy said, wouldn't want him on my team. Mm-hmm. Fifth, sixth-round draft pick at best. Mm-hmm. Another guy on another successful team wouldn't want him. Basically, as the CEO of my team, used a profane term yeah. to describe Josh Rosen uh, that begins mm-hmm. with a D. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And don't want a D yep. as the CEO of my team. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it was unbelievable. And there's also concerns about, you know, frail body. He's had some injuries. And is he three, four years into his career going to say, you know what, I'm going to become a venture capitalist? Yeah, love of the game. I'm done, you know. So yeah. the, there's stuff there. There's no question about it. But yet, yet you have a higher grade on him than the guys in this year's quarterback class. Also keep in mind, yes. with Rosen, it was, and these guys, we had seen him. Remember, they, Allen could have come out the year before. 
Remember Darnold? All those guys we had seen a lot more of, and last and last year was set up that those guys yeah, were not 30, having a great 40 year. Plus starts yeah, for these and guys. they had lost a lot of talent. Darnold lost just about all, everything. Josh Allen lost everybody: the center, tight end, wide receiver, and running back at Wyoming. Come on, you yeah. got to play at Iowa. You knew he would have some struggles. Uh, and then you you think about Rosen, but this year Haskins back in August, we know even if he'd be in the draft, he never started. Kyler Murray wasn't even on the board. Okay, so all of a sudden the quarterbacks now you're saying how does Rosen fit in? Rosen had a m- larger body of work than Haskins and Rosen does. And let's be honest, the dude is smart, Rosen, and he will absolutely dice you up if you give him time. Yeah, he just he, he doesn't fit what the new Arizona team wants to do with Cliff Kingsbury mm-hmm. as the offensive coordinator, as the head coach and and OC. But if you run a pro style system, put him under center, can protect him, work play action. I, he he can be very, very successful. And I'm giving you some of these opinions from some of these guys in Rosen, and I'm sure there are people that really like him. And it's also similar with Kyler Murray, Dwayne Haskins, Daniel Jones. No question. Rula. There are opinions oh, yeah. across all the over. board and you on know all what? these guys. And, and it makes sense because it's it's every year, and the reason is it's about a 40% hit percentage on quarterbacks in the first round. So you can have strong opinions one year on a guy, and, and he's going to wind up not hitting. You can have strong opinions on, on another guy in the next year, and you wind up hitting on him. You Eli know, Manning, Philip Rivers, and Ben Roethlisberger were in the same draft, and there were people that hated on every one of them. That somebody in the league didn't like those quarter. One of those guys, the yeah, Mid American Conference, Ben didn't play well against Iowa. Yeah. Was it that yeah. year? Oh yeah, horrible. Yeah. Just like Josh was. Right. I Allen was not good at Iowa. Right. Well, big deal. Okay, one Peyton Manning never beat Florida. Okay, you think about Eli. Eli, everybody said the same thing about Peyton. Eli Manning was his. They thought the Manning name was elevating them. Yeah. All right, and then you get into Philip Rivers with that release. Did you remember the release? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's still, it's still that release. It's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, but he, they didn't like it. So at the end, I was bringing up Bernie Kosar. Well, you know, like that. Bernie Kosar had a good career with a questionable release, the, uh, uh, unorthodox. Let's say unorthodox. Good okay, word. is the word. But in terms of all these quarterbacks, you go back to Mahomes. Mahomes was hated on by some people. Isn't that amazing? Think about that. Yep. Hated on. And so you cannot find universal. Universal agreement for these guys, and you could always find something, yeah. somebody that's saying this guy's hey, a D. Yeah, I don't want him. The, the Sean Watson people said was overdrafted. They hated the Trubisky move. If, hated. They were. There's still people out there hating on Trubisky. And if Mahomes goes to a place where he has to play right away, and they don't know how to, and a defensive head coach, and they don't know how to coach the quarterbacks, and they don't have one of the best tight ends in in the NFL, um, one of the most dangerous weapons at wide receiver, and a great running back. Does he have the success he's had? I mean, th- that's the whole thing. It's not just the player. It's the situation you're in. I mean, he, he came in. He told me I covered the Cardinals in the preseason. Mahomes told me he didn't know how to recognize and identify the Mike linebacker for the first, like, two, three weeks the of camp. the Chiefs in the preseason. The Chiefs, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Like that's how far back he was in terms of the advancement, which, by the way, is a lot of guys are doing in high school, mm-hmm. you know? So the situation can be critical with these guys as well. Well, it's funny because as we were walking to tape this, I said to you, there are people who don't love Kyler Murray, mm-hmm. who we think will wind up being mm-hmm. the number one pick. Why do they not like Kyler Murray? Old guard. Old guard can't buy into it. It's just you, you, you got to get into today's NFL, and they can't, basically. They're stuck in the past, you know, where the NFL was more traditional. It was under center, three, five, seven-step drop, your route tree, t- two wides, a tight end, you know, fullback. You know, it's not that way anymore. It's different. And I think when you look at Kyler, you see you see a lot of young GMs, young scouts now, but you still have some of the old guard. And the old guard that I've spoken to and I've heard, okay, over the years I've listened to, have not bought into Baker Mayfield or Kyler hey, Murray. Last year when the Baker Mayfield story comes out that, that he's in consideration for the Browns, remember two days before the draft, mm-hmm. There were people who could not believe that the Browns would take him. My father texted me and said, fake news, I'll believe it when I see it. I said, I'm telling you, he's in the conversation. But they didn't want to believe that Baker Mayfield could go number one. And if Kyler Murray were to go number one, he would be the first quarterback under six feet ever to go not only in the first oh, no. round, but number one overall. No, I forget. That's what oh, we that's- say. We say number one. We're not talking. We talk second round. Who ever went in the second round? It was 5'10", a quarterback. You have to get to the third round. Seneca Wallace didn't. Remember Seneca Wallace when he Drew came Brees in? Drew Brees is 5'11", 6 foot? Yeah, Drew Brees is almost he, six, feet, six, six feet tall. Yeah, 6 okay. feet tall. Hey, Michael Vick's right around 6 feet. This is 5'10". 5'10 and an eighth. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's a big eighth. I was in the room at the You're combine. Right. Right. I don't want to short Calamari. He's a short guy. He was remeasured at 5'10". No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. But you know, whatever he is, he's a, it's historic. 
This is an historic move, but it's a new NFL. Every year we say it's today's NFL. Who fits today's NFL? We say that about a lot of players. He certainly is at the top of the list. So that's this year's quarterbacks. And I want to ask you guys mm-hmm. next year, because we've already begun this chatter, about the quarterback mm-hmm. class of 2020. Is it what some people have said to me, that it could be one of the great quarterback classes that we've seen. Are you ready to go there? Can we talk about that? Are you prepared on these quarterbacks? We've got Justin <laughs> Herbert. We've got Jake Fromm. Tua. We've got Tua. We've got, do we put Jacob Eason in that conversation or not? I don't even know. I can't right now. Okay. Not yet. I tell you this, we're, that's overhyping. Okay. That's overhyping. Okay, so we'll take him out. We'll go no, I'm just, not overhyping the class. The whole class. That's not In good. general. Tua yeah, that, has no. a chance to be special. He's got he's got dinged up a little bit this year. Didn't finish. Didn't have the the great finish that he had compared to how he started. Um, he was on a record setting pace for the first seven eight games of the year, and then he he started taking some he hits. Also, and a spectacular talent around him. Absolutely, spectacular his, he, talent. He's got him. maybe four wide receivers that will be first round tight end and the tight end. How about so, the running backs? And and two running backs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and, first round offensive lineman. Right. So. But he he is a special mm-hmm. passer. He really is, and he's a uh, he's got a chance to be elite. After that, Justin Herbert to me did not have a good year. He didn't have a good year. Up and down. He's got a lot of talent though. He's he's kind of to me he's, he's a traits quarterback. He's right the now. Josh Allen type. Where he's not touching Josh Allen I'm, right now. But slow down, buddy. I slow don't, down. Don't I said there. type. Where you're looking at the physical tools, big, athletic, big arm, but can you get him to be consistent enough throwing the Josh football? Josh Allen was always better than Justin Herbert. <laughs> Justin Herbert's not there yet. He's a traits quarterback. He's going back, which was a wise move, and he could be. But to say he's going to be, we don't know. From, I don't know. Is he a really good college quarterback? Rom's tough. Yeah, he's a tough one. Is he Drew Brees? That's, that's going to be the comp. He doesn't have great tools, but he's a gamer. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's Drew Brees at the college level. Yep. Is, True. There, is yeah. there any other guy there that I'm missing from this conversation? Because we wouldn't have talked about Kyler Murray a year ago. No. We wouldn't have talked about Baker Mayfield a year before that. Right. At this time, there always seems to be some riser, some guy that sneaks into that well, conversation. Well, Jalen Hurts is at Oklahoma. Well, and, and I'm not produce. going there, though. <laughs> and he, and I'll tell you what. If Lincoln Riley could take Jalen Hurts to make him a first-round pick, then he, uh, he's, he's a miracle worker. Then I retire. Yeah. Is I, he I, an yeah. NFL prospect, Jalen Hurts? I don't think. I don't believe so. He's okay. good. At, he's a good athlete. Hey, and he came in for Tua and bailed him out of that game. Yes. Now DeAndre Walker had the injury in that game, but which hurt their their defense in Georgia. But the bottom line is they're they don't they don't move on without Jalen Hurts. Tua against some bad teams and mediocre teams, but against when he got to the top echelon teams, it was like okay, is he being a little bit uh, overwhelmed here? And that's 2020. And are we getting too excited in 2021 with Trevor Lawrence? Trevor because, Lawrence is, is, has a chance to be the Peyton Manning of that yeah. draft. He, he, if he continues this pace, he's going to be, I mean, the highest grade I've ever given to a quarterback. And I haven't been doing it as long as you, so it kind of excludes a lot of guys, but Andrew Luck. Mm-hmm. And I, he's on that, he's kind of on that trajectory right now. That game that he played, the national championship. How about the, the, the onions, if you will, to come out in the national championship as a true freshman and the first three throws you are off target and the first two you airmail. And it looks like, uh oh. You know, the pressure's, over your head. pressure's yeah. gonna get to him. He's playing Alabama's defense. Not the best defense Nick Saban's had, but it's still a Nick Saban defense. They're throwing different stuff at him, all these different looks. And then he settles in and has one of the best games I can remember from a quarterback in, in a national champion. It, it just absolutely diced yeah, up that freshman. secondary. True freshman. And that's, that's big time. How big and how? Oh, what he's, yeah, he's six five, two twenty. You saw him on ground level. Yeah, I've seen I've yeah. seen him three times live, live and, yeah. and yeah, he's a big, big dude, and he can move and and he's he's been kind of bred to be a quarterback. He he played under a really good high school coach. His dad has been involved, and and he just he knows the game. He, he so we're not overhyping him. No, and I think the interaction think with so. teammates when you see that. Yep, they came to the White House and you saw the interaction. With the coaches and with the players, you got to like that as well. How he kind of really fits confident in with everybody. But humble. Mm-hmm. So those are the quarterbacks this year, next year, and even the year after. Mm-hmm. Give me one surprise this week. A guy you love that may go higher than people are expecting. Mel, I think Colin Saunders, the defensive tackle from Western Illinois, will go higher than a lot of people are projecting him to go, like third round. I think he could jump into that early second round. Early day two, night two. Uh, he's a defensive tackle with a lot of athleticism, a lot of production. 
He gets into the backfield. He's a, a disruptor. He's a guy, you say one double A. You know, if he played it in the Big Ten, we'd be talking about him as a first-round draft choice. Guaranteed. I think Colin mm-hmm. Saunders. It's K-H-A-L-E-N pronounced Colin, Colin Saunders. Defensive tackle, Western He's Illinois. He's the guy that did the backflips. Yeah. Right yep. at but that's not a gimmick. That's not, that seems like a gimmick. He's a heck of a player. That's just showcase. Remember when Tariq Cohen did that yeah. as yep. well, coming out of North Carolina? He's yeah. a pretty good player. That wasn't a gimmick. Cohen was a really good player at North Carolina A&T, and a great pick for Ryan Pace and the Bears. I think Colin Saunders will be a heck of a pick for somebody in round two. I think the two Mississippi State guys up front are going to go a little bit higher than people think because Montez Sweat, Montez Sweat and Jeffrey Simmons, the defensive end, Jeffrey Simmons, the defensive tackle. I know some teams that if you just based on the talent and the tape, have Jeffrey Simmons as the best player in this draft, the most talented player in this draft. And Sweat, I think, is a top five talent as well. I mean, you're talking about a guy who at two, but a 260 ran a 441. Yeah, he's projected as a top 10. But everyone's saying with the heart condition, I think yeah. people are going to ignore the heart condition with him, the knee injury, and the, the old yeah, high school off the field we're issue hearing, for, at least for I mean, It's not going to be a problem. Right. But. Yeah. If he starts sliding at all, you'll know that it's because yeah, of that. Yeah, on ability right. and on testing with the four four one forty, the length, the sack production, he should not get out of the top ten. Eight. I'll say eight. exactly right, but I, yeah, I, I just think those two players. Everyone's kind of talking about the negative with those guys, but I think they're going to wind up going as high or higher than, than we expect. The negative on Jeffrey Simmons, of course, is not only did he tear his ACL during offseason workouts, but more important than that yep. is once. Being involved in how do we say this? I mean, he, he punched a woman right. defending his, his mom, mom, yep. and it was captured on video, and everybody's yep. seen it, everybody knows about it. So, because of that, and because of the day and age we're living in, yep. How much do you think that will impact him, and where do you see him going? I do think it? some teams, say a team like the the Ravens, take him off the board. The Chiefs, because of yeah. you know certain situations that they've gone through, I think they they will take him off the board. Not all teams, and he's off a lot of boards. How the hard part here is you obviously don't condone what he did, but he was a young kid. Yep. It was a horrible situation between families, family members, and and um, you know, family friends. They have been, had been fighting for years. Some really horrible things were said about his mom. She was getting basically beat up, beaten up. He was coming to the defense. He he lost his mind. It, it's not excusable, but if you talk to everyone at Mississippi State, every scout that's gone through they there, love the kid, love the kid. not know. just he's been good or he's matured or he learned from his mistake. It's no, this guy is like the leader of our team. He does all this community service to help out other kids. Uh, he's just he's a really he's a good person who had a horrible moment and may not play as a rookie. Medically, he will be because of the ACL. Because of the ACL, so you're getting that plus the fact you're not going to get production from him as a rookie. I think your Michigan guys are going to be interesting too. I think Rashawn Gary's there's potential for him to fall. You know, we've talked about him as a top potential top ten pick. I think he could slide a little bit, and then Chase Winovich, who played opposite him, who didn't get the accolades and and you know wasn't the number one recruit coming out of high school like Gary was. Makes plays, makes plays. great with his hands, finisher, motor. All the things you look for. I think he could be an earlier second round pick and surprise some people. And no wide receivers high. No. DK mm-hmm. Metcalf, Old Miss could slide into the 20s. Marquise Brown. A lot of people are saying, I had one guy in like, he's third round. He wouldn't take, he's got a Liz Frank injury he's come off of. He's 166 pounds. Others say second round. Some think first. There's a lot of polarization there on the receivers. Some like DK Metcalf. They think they can coach out of him some of that stiffness and some of that one dimensional route running that he has. Some think, no, you can't look at the look at the three cone and the short shuttle numbers. They're horrible. Even though he's a straight, he's strictly straight line, too big, too balked up. So you hear both ends of the spectrum for DK Metcalf to the point where you may not have a receiver taken until the twenties. Well, I, I think that's one of the most intriguing elements of this draft is that it's so good and so deep in so many areas, but offensive skill position players is not one. You look at it, there may be four or five tops offensive skill position players that go. In the first round, and that's it. So and in this three fancy, of those might be tight ends, right? And in this fancy football era that we're living in, where fans want to see the next running back or wide receiver, that's not coming from this draft. No, okay, we're going to get Hawkinson, the tight end from Iowa. No offense, the tight end from Iowa yep. in the first round. I think both those guys go in the first round. Yeah. Josh Jacobs, I think, goes in the first round. The Alabama, yeah, run, I'd set the over under at one for running back. 
Okay, one. Two, two and a half for, for tight end, with Irv Smith being the, the possibility coming out of Alabama as a, for uh, a late first-rounder. Wide but, receiver will be two. And then will both will both DK would, Metcalf and Marquise I'd Brown said go? It, I'd say one and a half. Brown? You said one and a half, saying that you don't know. I say two max, two max, two max. And there's questions about both those guys. They could slide. I mean, they could slide into the twenties very easily. And I think you you go back to the the point make about this this draft in general. The depth of the position is better. We like Nikhil Harry from Arizona State, heck of a player. But he's a second-round pick. Juju Smith-Schuster, Michael Thomas. We go on and on. Remember that year when all those second-rounders went? Allen Robinson and company turned out pretty good. I think the second round, when you look at even into the fifth round, Todd Todd likes Penny Hart, Georgia State. I like Andy Isabella, UMass, two slot guys that can play. I mean, Amadola was a good player, right? It's a good player. Not fast. Andy Isabella's fast. He's got return skills. Look what he did against SEC teams. You like Penny Hart, Georgia State, Todd. Yeah, and I think it plays into the fact if you're sitting there on the board and, I don't know, you're Oakland, let's say, at 24, and you're saying, you know what, I could take a wide receiver here now, but I also could take advantage of the depth of this defensive line class and get an edge rusher, um, and then go get a, a receiver in the second round. Because I, I really like the value of what I'm getting on the second round versus what, kind of feeling like I'm reaching for a player here. Now, the draft has become such a huge deal. I don't know if you know this, Todd. I'm going to let you in on a little secret here. Okay. Okay. In my 30 years in the business, I've never won a Pulitzer, an Emmy. I've never won very many awards. But I will say that one of the most emotionally touching moments of my career came in the most unexpected ways. And it meant nothing in the grand scheme of things. But when it happened, it was kind of a cool honor. And that was when Peyton Manning retired from the Denver Broncos in the NFL and said this. A week before the Super Bowl, our daughter Mosley asked me, Daddy, is this the last game? Yes, Mosley, it's the last game of the season. I sure do want you to win that trophy. I do too, Mosley. And that's what we're going to try to do. Then she asked, Daddy, is this the last game ever? And that's just when I shook my head in amazement because I was thinking Mort and Adam Schefter had gotten to my five-year-old daughter to cultivate a new source. When I heard that, I was, I was, I was blown away. So I bring that up because of this. Mm-hmm. ESPN announced this week that it's launching a new series with Peyton Manning mm-hmm. going around to 50 great football spots, the most historic plays, people in the game. Hmm. And one of his episodes, Todd, is on Mel Kiper and all really? his draft research. Really wow. Did yeah. you know that? No, no. You had, you had mentioned that you talked yeah. to him over the yeah. summer, uh-huh. I think it was. No, no, it was in the fall. In the fall, okay. Yeah, it was actually in the winter, not fall, winter. Uh-huh. What, what, how, how did this come to be? Because basically, well, I'm reading the release this right. week, and it's saying that Peyton's going to go back and relive the immaculate reception with Franco Harris yeah. and Terry Bradshaw. Yeah. He's going to go to... The flak jacket with Dan Pastorini. Yeah, he's like, going to do yeah, all that yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. He's going to go to... Uh, Spend time with the 49ers and relive yeah. the catch. Yeah. And he's going to spend time in Mel Kuyper's <laughs> office going over all his draft books. And I, I went, know. what? I so know. what was that? That had to be unbelievable. I didn't believe it was happening. I got a call back in August, so I say the summer, saying that Peyton Manning wants to come to your house. To the compound. <laughs> the Kuiper compound. I invite everybody to say it. Todd has a standing invitation. You know, everybody's a standing invite. Anytime you get on the Eastern Shore on Ken Island, come by. I've but never been got, invited, but okay. You got now. a standing invite. Hey, he came. Well, what happens is they get a call that they're bringing breakfast in at 5.30 a.m. That everybody, so my daughter comes over early, the night before, you know, she's going to be there. Lauren's going to be there. Boyfriend Alex, he's coming. Everybody's coming, right? <laughs> Not to watch me, to watch Peyton. They can care yeah, about of course. me. I'm going to see <laughs> me. Enough of you. Really, Peyton, exactly. Way too much. So Peyton, Peyton is like, you talk about coming in. They had people that were specifically there to move furniture only. Yeah. So I'm one that doesn't like a thing moved in my office. <laughs> I can see If that. a thing is moved, I know it's moved. The Kim dusts <laughs> too much. I know she moves something. A pen moves. I know it. Well, Alex knows this. My uh, Lauren's boyfriend, maybe a future son-in-law, yes. maybe. We'll see. Okay, hopefully, looking good. Uh, hopefully, uh, I think when you look at this whole thing, I come down at steps. Right, it's like Peyton's getting there at eight o'clock a.m. They've been setting up since five thirty. Okay, I come walking around to the steps, and Alex is standing downstairs. And I look down. He's got this smile like McShay has someone face. Like you're, you're. 
black <laughs> you're, yeah. you're gonna be fired up and mad because he knows how i hate things they moved every i didn't even recognize my house <laughs> yeah, when i got down they moved everything my office every, well peyton comes eight fifteen, eight thirty. you know goes upstairs in the guest bedroom changes does all his thing and then we come down and we, he, we were from nine o'clock until around noon i guess somewhere in there just talking about the history the draft everything and he is no, oh, he's a history of the student of the game, he's a, but knows you know, all of it. He is an incredible actor because he can sit there and we were talking about, <laughs> we we're talking about the Tobin thing, Bill Tobin, which was one of and, the greatest moments he in draft history. He says, Oh yeah, you made play. your career. He says, he says, uh, yeah, well, yeah, where'd you play? Fly? I said, in play. Tobin was right. <laughs> he goes, he went that Tobin was right. He did it only Peyton's way. <laughs> yeah, I, I, Tobin was right. Yeah. And he flipped it in there. I was looking at it the way he did it. It was like the, like the, um, the Brad Paisley commercials. Yeah. He's so natural. And it was so much fun for three. And then he was going after that. That same day, he left the compound in February. It was right after the Super Bowl. It was the, it was the Wednesday or Thursday right after the Super Bowl. Yep. That's when he came. And he was going to meet down at the Babe Ruth Museum downtown. Yeah. Ray Lewis and Brian Billick. Another series on that show. Yeah. So when yeah. is your spot? Your I believe show, August. It's going to run I in August. I believe August. Yeah. And you spent the three hours. And what would you say <laughs> the majority of the information that you talked about with him was? What What do you think it's going you to know, focus in on? I don't know what they'll go with. I, it was three hours. So I don't know. It was we, all about the draft. It was all, all about the history and also, of the draft. And, and Peyton's right up. Yep. He read, read through every word. <laughs> Eli. You know, all the backdrops, going back to Roethlisberger Rivers and yep. that whole thing, and everybody, and Ryan Leaf, because, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. that was yeah. a big debate yeah, at the time. He wanted to make sure I had him rated ahead of Ryan Leaf, which I did, thankfully. Thankfully. I wasn't one of the many that had Leaf ahead of Matting, which people didn't say. Ryan, he paid, no, I had Peyton Matting ahead of Ryan Leaf. Like, let's get that straight, okay? But the, the bottom line, it was three hours of a lot of fun, because we were going back into, how, remember Ernie Acorsi offered me the oh, position yeah. with the Colts and yep. what happened there? He went back into everything and brought in, you know, his career and what happened there. I asked him questions about things. Um, That's really cool. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. He, really he cool. is, and I tell you, the one thing, Adam, he is a lover of the league, and he he, he wanted to wear the high tops when Johnny Knight passed away. Remember the high tops? Yep, yep, he, yep. Wanted, he he really has a love of the game and the love of the history and how it got to this point and what it allowed him to have. All the guys that opened the door for him to have the career and the success and make the money that he did and have the career for his brother and the family as his father, I think, passed on them. Hey, respect the history and tradition of this game. Yep. Archie and Olivia did a great job raising that family and uh, those kids, and it's a great family. And it's the first family of quarterback, offense, whatever you want to call it. The Bosa family may be the first family of defense, but I think the, the Manning family is special. Had you ever spent much time with him before then? No, I'd run into Olivia and, and Archie at airports back right. in the day Peyton's when I was parents. doing college game day on ESPN radio. I'd run into them and we would talk and Eli was with Eli at Ole Miss. We had done several games in Oxford with Eli was at Ole Miss. Peyton, I think once, maybe or twice tops as well come in contact when he was at Tennessee. That so was never it. any substantial no, no, time with no. him up until Eli, this day. Eli a lot more because we were with him, as you know, Todd. You meet with the team yep. on a Friday when we got in. Yep. We were in. They were playing Florida. They beat Florida. Okay, and and Eli's quarterback. And we met on a Friday with Eli. I remember standing in there about coming out, staying. I spent maybe forty five minutes with Eli, Archie, and Olivia at the airport, but more with his parents and Eli than with Peyton until. He's sitting Everywhere. in your living room. Well, yeah. in the office, actually. Because yeah. that, listen, I, when I saw the release, and for those who mm-hmm. don't know, it's called Peyton's Places. It's a thirty-episode mm-hmm. documentary series hosted by Peyton Manning, coming to ESPN Plus. Peyton's hosting the football theme series, revisiting seminal moments in NFL history through conversations with former players, coaches, and other key figures about football history and its cultural impact. The series will be a part of the NFL's. 100th year celebration and so i'm going through the release and i'm looking through all the things that he's doing and like joe namath he's going to go basically rewatch coaching film from super bowl three and being in baltimore with ray lewis discussing the evolution of mm-hmm. nfl defenses and as i'm going through it says peyton and mel kuyper jr <laughs> review kuyper's what? library of draft guides <laughs> waste exploring time? how the espn <laughs> nfl draft guru helped turn a boring business meeting into great can television you imagine when bill tobin heard that <laughs> You know, Bill Tobin, you bring up the Bill Tobin moment. So, I, 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 I hey, Bill Tobin, does, I, I thank him because, and we have fun with that whole thing. And I understand, I have great understanding for what he said and why he of said course. it. I probably would have said the same thing. 
If I were in that position, I got this, people tell me what Kuiper says every day. They say Kuiper it about us that. every single oh, year. Yeah, for, exactly. for those who didn't see it, for the younger audience, basically, it was at the time where they were debating between Trent Dilfer and Trev Alberts. Yes. Mm-hmm. And basically, they took Trev Alberts, and you thought they should have taken Trent Dilfer. And right. Chris Mortensen is in Indianapolis interviewing Bill Tobin, mm-hmm. the Colts president, GM. Right. And he opens up the press conference or the interview with more on fire who in the hell is mel kuyper in a way i mean here's a guy that criticizes everybody whoever they take he's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take in my knowledge of him he's never ever put on a jock strap he's never been a coach he's never been a scout he's never been an administrator and all of a sudden he's an expert he's in our papers two days ago telling us who we have to take we don't have to take anybody that mel kuyper says we have to take mel kuyper has no more credentials to do what he's doing, that my neighbor and my neighbor's a postman, and he doesn't even have season tickets to the NFL. Who the hell is Mel Kuyper? Yeah, I, I like what he said. My mailman and my mailman doesn't even have season tickets, <laughs> and he doesn't even have season tickets to the NFL. But I understand. And that sparked your career. And, and, but I understood where he was coming from because they're, you're, you're, this is Christmas morning. Have you ever talked to him since? No, I, I, I passed him at the Senior Bowl, <laughs> and he. Obviously, the one part of the he went one way. And we were ways away. It was like 10, 15 yards away. But right. I, yeah, I had a corner. I could see him, but it was no big deal. I was on with Vince Tobin. I was on the plane with him coming back. He was always respectful. But I got what he was doing. He was defending his picks of and he was defending his team. And the last thing they want is somebody raining on their parade. Well, they want to celebrate their picks. And you got a guy there telling you who you should take, who you shouldn't take, and then critiquing when you make a pick. Me, I got it completely. Let me say this. It was the most famous draft soundbite, I think. In NFL history, of course, there's never been a more memorable soundbite. So much so that when Mort and I were at the owners' meetings, and NFL Films asked us, amongst hundreds of people, to sit down to talk about the hundred year celebration, one of the topics was Bill Tobin's <laughs> quote to Chris Morrison about Mel Kiper and where the draft has come, and you're standing, and Mort. Mort actually set you up. Did you know that? No. The night before, Bill Tobin said, make sure you ask me a question tomorrow about Mel Kuyper. I want to talk about Mel Kuyper. Oh, Mort never told me that. Oh, you didn't know that? No. Mort the instigator saw that. I knew knew Mort was jabbing. I didn't know he would set it up. Notice on the interview when he kept moving it back. Exactly. He sticks the microphone (laughs) in Bill Tobin's face and moves back because he knows that that Bill Tobin's going to explode. That's a pro. Get out of the shot. That was unbelievable. And the thing is, like, <laughs> say, I look back. I mean, I, you, you know, Mort and the whole thing, the way it's set up. And the thing is, you know, but who the hell was Mel Kiper? Yep. Anyway, 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 he said, "Who the hell was Mel Kiper?" Anyway, we even use it on the Dari and Mel show when we're doing Ask Mel segments. Our our secretary then, Lauren, was born in '95. What year was that you when that happened? '94, maybe. It was '94. Yeah, so '94, Lauren was born in '95. Yeah. And I remember Chris Berman even signed a football boomer did that March. You know, she was born in March, April. Lauren, true number one pick. <laughs> I got the football in my office. The other thing was our secretary after that said, who the hell had a T-shirt? Who the hell is Mel Kuyper? My dad for Lauren. So when she was a little baby, <laughs> she had the shirt, the shirt on. Who the hell is Mel That's Kuyper? Great. My dad. My so dad. I, I've been getting this all forever about this. Who, and then the mail. I love what he said about the mailman. And, and my mailman. And my mailman doesn't even have season tickets. No court he does. Uh, that was great. That so, was priceless. So I assume all this came up with Peyton Manning, correct? Yes, it did. So did we just scoop Peyton Manning no, basically and some no, of No, everybody thought. We've talked about that forever. I, <laughs> Peter King always said. I think he talked to Bill Tobin after that. He said, you know, all you did really was make Mel Kuyper more, more of a national name and make him, you know, more of somebody in this business that's going to use that to move on and whatever. And I don't know what happened from that. I don't know if people use it as a positive or a negative, how they view that. But it was one of those moments that I, I, it was funny how it happened. I'm, I'm doing the Todd. You know how we sit there and when, when, when they go to a remote. Which yeah. it was a remote with Mort, right? Correct. We're not paying attention to that because we can't hear it. So we're there figuring our Through notes, looking at, looking at the next pick, looking at highlight packages. You know, Freddie Goodell's producing that. Yep. So I'm worried about Joe Theismann was doing it with Boomer. We're look, we're talking between ourselves like we do. Who, who do you want? Who do you know? Who you yep, like? Yep. And Freddie Goodell says to me. We're coming to you. You know how I hate to host a show. I told you I cannot host a show. And with Darnoka, well aware. When Darnoka gets a, a, a cough. The, the the producer better come in and help me because I'm just I'll go I'll screw it up okay so I can't they, they remember this is ninety whatever year it was they're coming to me Freddie says after Mort finishes with Tobin we're coming to you on camera whatever and you're gonna talk in the camera we're not going to Boomer I said what and he said he said what's I said what's going on? he said Tobin's ripping you. 
respond. <laughs> and I said, well, I said, well, what does he say? I, we'll have time that. Just know he's ripping you. Respond to that. I said, okay. So they come back with a camera. I'm like, oh, like a deer in headlights. Right. Oh my God. And I, all I said was everybody has a right to their opinion. Bill obviously is defending his picks. He has, yeah, he did what he thought. I have a right to my opinion. I don't remember what I said, but it was kind of that. That's a tough spot to be put in, though, because you don't know what he said exactly. And you've got to respond to something to defend your reputation. So I just said, I'll just say, have a right to your opinion. We're just expressing, like you say. So it was your mailman. Yeah. (laughs) Everybody expresses an opinion. Yeah, everybody. I I respect, we do what fans all fans have an opinion. We respect what the fans, we're fans. Right. Yeah. So again, it's an opinion is all it is. But that was how it came to me back that day. And I didn't know at the time what Bill was saying to Mort. Well, it launched you into Peyton's Places, a 30 part, (laughs) 30 episode documentary. And it Mm -hmm. launched and it turned into the first draft podcast that you now have with Todd McShay (laughs) and Chris Sproul. There you go. You all can listen to wherever you get your podcast. Todd, Mel, thank you very much for the time today. Lots of luck this week. Always fun, bud. We'll see you in Nashville. Always a pleasure, Adam. Cap hit. And now, fresh back from his honeymoon, a man we have not seen for months. He's been on hiatus. Well, we've been trying to make this podcast work in his absence, struggling along. We now bring him back in the week before the draft. Evan Kaplan, the fine NFL ESPN researcher who got married, went on his honeymoon. Yes, great. Congratulations Thank on all you. these great things in yep. your life. You missed. We missed having you, Evan. It's great to be back, Adam. Uh, kept tabs on the free agency, all the player movement, but now we're back. We're ready to go for the draft. The honeymoon was great. And, uh, yeah, we're ready to go. I would expect with all the time off that you've had, Evan, that you would come (laughs) back rested, rejuvenated, and bring us your best A material. And we'll start off with the topic that we talked about with Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay, Kyler Murray. With the fact that he won the Heisman, how does that impact his future in any way? Well, look, he is the story of the first round, in my opinion. I mean, he, the guy came, we weren't even talking about him a year ago, and now he may be the number one overall pick in the draft. And you look at the recent history of Heisman Trophy winning QBs at the top of the draft, the previous four quarterbacks to win the Heisman in their final college season were all top two overall picks. Hmm. You look at Baker Mayfield last year, then before him, Marcus Mariota, Robert Griffin III, both Second overall picks, Cam Newton. First overall pick. So you look at it in that prism, Kyler Murray will likely go in the top two. And now, look, we've we've heard the comparisons to certainly Russell Wilson, and there are plenty of comparisons on the surface to Baker Mayfield. Look, there's very obvious ones. They both won the Heisman. They both went to Oklahoma. They both could be the number one overall pick. Mm-hmm. They're both a little smaller in stature. But I dug a little deeper, and sometimes when you, when you look at some of these comparisons – it just kind of writes itself. So so listen to some of these. They both won a high school state title in Texas. They both transferred to Oklahoma from a school in Texas. Uh, Baker from Texas Tech, Kyler from A&M. They both led the FBS in total QBR in their final college season. They both led Oklahoma to 12-2 and records in their final college season. They both lost to an SEC school in the college football playoff semifinal. Mm. And then this one... You can't even make this up. The most points Oklahoma scored with Mayfield at QB was 66 in a game. The most that they scored with Murray at QB, 66 in a game. Look, you, we all, there's so much... The Lincoln-Riley effect. Exactly. There's so much lead-up to the draft. Sometimes you find these fun yeah. little quirks, and, and that was one that I came across. That is pretty interesting. I will say that. There is a lot of similarities, and I would think that there'll be one more by the time Thursday night rolls around. That, that sounds like it. wind up going number one. All right, last year, Evan, we saw five quarterbacks go... In the first round of the yep. draft, what happens if there are four more who go this year? So we've never seen nine quarterbacks in the first round over a two-year span in the common draft era. And you look at teams that they are just that you, you need a quarterback to win in the NFL, and teams are constantly looking to whether it's move up for a quarterback or they draft a quarterback in their slot. And the key to keep in mind, if your team drafts a quarterback, I, I came across some pretty interesting numbers in terms of what that rookie first-round quarterback, how much they will play in their first year in the NFL. You look at since 2008, 23 of the 32 quarterbacks picked in the first round have started at least 10 games as a rookie. So 23 out of 32, that's an overwhelming percentage. From 67 to 2007, all the previous years in the common draft era, only 22 quarterbacks started at least 10 games. So what does that tell you? If you're picking a quarterback in the first round recently since 2008, you're pretty much going to play him right away. Now, there's exceptions. Patrick Mahomes, which was a kind of one-off situation where they had Alex Smith in Kansas City. But for the most part, the idea of picking a quarterback in the first round and making and, and sitting him 
We haven't seen it recently. No, we just no, haven't seen it. Doesn't have, there's no, no pressure never to play these guys. Exactly. You pick a guy in the first round, he's going to play. May not play week one, but he's going to play as a rookie. Now, the Raiders are scheduled to have three first-round draft picks. Put into perspective, Oakland's control of the first round. So there's there's been plenty of teams to make three first-round picks, but they are in the case where they have three entering the draft. So we saw the 2017 Browns were the most recent team to make three first-round picks, but they acquired some of those picks during the actual draft. So in terms of entering the draft with three first-round picks, the last time we saw it was the 2001 Rams. It will be the second time that the Raiders, if they make three first-round picks, it will be the second time they do The other time was 1988. Worked out pretty well for them. Tim Brown, Hall of Famer. They also got uh, five-time pro bowler Terry McDaniel and, and defensive lineman Scott Davis. So you have to kind of look at this in the prism of who are they getting in terms of replacing who they traded away. It, it's such a one-to-one scenario mm. with the with the Mack and Cooper trades with those 24th and 27th overall picks. So I think there's going to be – I think if they stay in those slots, I think you'd probably agree, there will be a tremendous amount of pressure on those players right away. Tim Brown was great. Terry McDaniel was great. Scott Davis – Okay career, yeah. Okay career, but I would imagine the Raiders are going to be leaning defense yes, in this draft this week. Evan, welcome back from the honeymoon. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you in Nashville. Great to be here, Adam. And now we bring in one of the top-rated players in the upcoming draft, Ohio State quarterback Dwayne Haskins, who has a real chance to become the second Ohio State quarterback in history to be drafted in the first round. And Dwayne, any idea who went in the first round is the only other Ohio State quarterback to do that? Yeah, I mean, what's his name? Art Schleister. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Very good. You get an A on the exam. That's outstanding. <laughs> yeah. Very good. What would it mean to you to go in the first round Thursday night, Dwayne? I mean, everything. Um, this It's a blessing to be drafted, let alone uh, be, be selected in the first round. I'm looking forward to spending it, uh, some time with my family and friends uh, uh, during uh, the draft, and I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a dream come true. What are your plans for where to watch the draft Thursday night, Dwayne? I'll be home. I'll be in Maryland. Uh, I relocated in Maryland, uh, freshman year of high school. So going to be back home. Going to get some bowling in and have some fun. It's going to be a great night. Bowling? Yes, sir. Before, during, after? How's that happening? Probably during, so I don't got to pay attention to the TV. <laughs> so you may be literally bowling while your name is called? Uh, I'm sure that I'll get a, a phone call while, while before the before the pick is in, so I'll stop everything I'm doing to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> and do you have any sense at this point in time where you might end up? There's been so much speculation always about the quarterbacks, about where they would go. What is your sense about how this process may play out? Yeah, you never know, man. Um, I, I had a, about five meetings that I, I feel pretty confident about. Um, um, I'm sure you know the, the teams, but um, yep. the Miami and um, uh, the Raiders, Broncos, and Giants and Redskins, and uh, I feel great about all those meetings. I felt like I did a great job uh, as far as uh, getting to know the guys that were there, um, doing a great job with the, with the learning the plays and uh, being able to explain what I did during the season on film, and uh, you know all those meetings went well. What's it like to sit down there with John Gruden and have him put you on the whiteboard? It was a Gruden camp without the cameras. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it, it was great. Um, you know, he's from Dayton, Ohio, so he's uh, very pays great attention to Ohio. And uh, for for him to be able to, to, to come to my to come to my school, get to know me as a person and as a quarterback, and uh, you know, spend some time with me for for about two days, it, it was a great experience. What stood out about your trip to Washington, considering you're from the Maryland area? Yeah, um, definitely. Uh, HTTR and um, you know um, Dan Snyder's son goes to my high school, so I have a connection there. And uh, of course, um, Sean Springs, who's one of my mentors, played for the Redskins and uh, is a uh, still lives in the DMV area. So of course, being able to spend time over at the Redskins and meeting Doug Williams and spending some time with uh, Coach Gruden, uh, definitely I feel like that's another possibility as well. Dan Snyder's son goes to your high school. Do you know him at all personally? Oh, no, I'm not I'm not great friends with him, but he's, he's younger than me, but definitely definitely aware of who he is. And Sean Springs is one of your mentors, and I spent some time with Sean at the owners' meetings, and he was once the third overall pick yeah, in the yeah. draft. What did he tell you about the Redskins franchise and whatever may await you here in the coming days, Dwayne? Oh, definitely. Um, even just being in the area for those the, the years that I was there in Maryland, uh, football is taken very seriously down there, and they're they're itching to win, and um, if they draft me, I really hope that I can add to the franchise and you know bring some bring some wins to that to that to that organization. If you wound up playing for the Washington Redskins, what would that be like as somebody who's from that area? It'd be it'd be fantastic um, to to go to high school in Maryland and then be able to play for 
uh, Washington Redskins and uh, be close to home and uh, to to have a lot of my supporters in the area and, and uh, a lot of the kids that look up to me to be able to go to my NFL games. Uh, it'll be great. Um, not being able to go to Maryland uh, definitely uh, was something that I, I took pride in going to Ohio State representing the, the DMV area. So now that if I were able to get picked by the Redskins, I'll definitely you know make sure I hold that hold that standard. Now, Dwayne, one of your other mentors is the Falcons wide receiver, Muhammad Sanu. How did that happen, and what did you learn from him? So, Mo was my youth coach at 8, 9, 10 years old. Um, my childhood best friend, Muhammad Javi, was my, my teammate, and, and Mo just happened to be in high school. And um, he would he'd come after practice, and he would coach us uh, on, our, on our youth practices. And I've known Mo for 10, 12, 12 years now. And uh, he's been a great guy as far as me getting to be able to work out with him and, and throw routes with him. And, of course, I ask him about Matt Ryan all the time and what he does, how he prepares as a pro. And uh, he does a great job giving me insight. He, he's uh, young enough where I can relate to him and old enough where I respect him. And I uh, definitely feel like uh, he's done a great job helping me along the process as well. What piece of advice has he passed along about Matt Ryan that has stayed with you, Dwayne? This, uh, when, you, when you talk to these NFL receivers, they talk about how uh, analytical and how, how great detail these quarterbacks are. And this will happens that. Coach Day, Coach uh, Matt Ryan at Boston College. So be able to, to talk to Coach Day about Matt Ryan and ask Mo about Matt and uh, how, how he goes about the process of being a pro. He's one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. And, uh, of course, Mo loves him. And uh, he gives me great detail about what he does, how he prepares when we throw routes. He tells me how Matt handles throwing sessions and, and film room and uh, things of that nature. So it's great to be able to pick his brain. Now, Dwayne, I know that everybody knows about your height, weight, measurable stats, all those things. But I think one of the things that most impressed me was that you were a two-time academic All-Big Ten honoree. And in three years, you are scheduled to graduate this May with, I might add, a degree in journalism. <laughs> yeah, yes, sir. You want my job? Give me about 20 years. I mean, and maybe, <laughs> maybe, I can, maybe I can work for you. <laughs> what would you like to do like with a degree in journalism? What would you like to do with that one day? So I was a sports editor of my high school newspaper, and um, I was I wrote several uh, papers in high school. Um, took took the major in, in college because of the great um, great uh, former athletes at Ohio State who are now in the industry, as far as Kirk Herbstreit and Eddie George, and of course Sean and Joey Galloway and, and guys like that. So wow. they they all set the set the way for me, and uh, I feel like I, I have a have a career in there if um, football's over with, and I um, just wanted to prepare myself for the future. And what have they passed on to you that you've learned? Well, of course, they're the proud Buckeyes, and they're really, really happy for the season that I had. And um, you know, they just this this talking to Joey and um and talking to um, Eddie George and guys like that, and um, they just who are really NFL legends and and uh, have success in college and in the NFL. And then they just just tell me to enjoy the process, and then uh, make sure that you uh, do everything you need to do as far as mentally, physically preparing your body, watching film, and um, getting ready for games, and that. You know, you, you do what you need to do in order to, to last in the league. Hmm. Now, Thursday night when you're bowling and you have to stop your turn to hear where you're drafted, what do you think that moment will mean to you when it comes down, Dwayne? I feel like it's going to be a great moment and, um, you know, probably going to shed a, a couple of tears of joy and uh, to be able to share that moment with my family and um, you know, hoping that it's uh, sooner rather than later and get my night over with and uh, be able to enjoy my family and friends. But, just to be able to to hear my name called on 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 draft day, something I dreamed of for years, and uh, to be able to, to to live a dream that um you know that I put out for myself as a young kid and to go accomplish, uh, just all the hard work that it took to get here, and knowing that uh, there's more work to be put in to, to do more, but just to just to to realize that you know all the work was worth it. It's going to be uh, an unbelievable moment for me. Well, congratulations on all that work, Dwayne. Good luck Thursday night, and congratulations on graduating in May as well. The degree in journalism, very impressive, and I wish you a lot of luck here with wherever you do wind up. Thank you. So there's the Ohio State quarterback, Dwayne Haskins, and now on to the Stanford running back, Bryce Love. I know that you have aspirations of one day being a doctor. What would Dr. Love say about the condition of Bryce Love's knee at this time? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would say it's in a great place. You know, I'm, I'm feeling good. Uh, you know, I checked off all the boxes I need to check off at this point to uh, keep my goal of being ready by training camp, uh, to be honest. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm feeling good, walking good, and all that good stuff. So what are your expectations for your rookie year, Bryce? You know, obviously, you know, my desire is to be out, to be out there and play, you know, showcase my talents, do what I can do, and, uh, you know, ultimately find a way to contribute any way that I can. When you go around to these teams – 
how much time do they spend on a medical checkup with you, a physical of your knee, and how much time do they spend with you in meetings, visits on the whiteboard, doing different things? Uh, to be honest, I say it's more so on the on the whiteboard, and um, you know, just talking ball. Uh, you know, I was blessed to learn from Coach Shaw, blessed to learn from Coach Bloomgren, uh, and Coach Gould, and um, just giving that knowledge. You know, talking ball, being able to get the ins and out of different plays, different uh, concepts, uh, protections, and you know, just good stuff. Uh, in terms of medical, mainly just the uh, the combine, and of course, you know, rechecks. But um, you know, just probably about just like an average time. You know see anything crazy anytime they ever do anything so um yeah you bring up coach shaw he's actually compared you to jamal charles and he says your speed reminds him of joey galloway and rocket ismail have you ever heard those <laughs> comparisons before yeah yeah i mean I've, I've heard them from coach shaw you know definitely and um yeah you know i mean of course you know i'm appreciative of all those players uh i grew up watching you know my dad's talked about him all the time of course you know, I was a Jamal Charles fan growing up at different points in my life. And, um, you know, of course, that's a blessing. You know, um, you know I'm just excited to be out, out, be able to go out there and, you know, showcase who I am you know, as a player. I guess if he's comparing you to Jamal Charles and Joey Galloway and Rocket Ismail, you don't get the nickname Baby Bolt, as you were called back in Wake Forest for nothing, correct, as a 12-year-old? <laughs> nah, no, sir. While you were at Stanford, you also got a chance to – be a team at a Christian McCaffrey's. What did you learn from Christian during your time together at Stanford? I mean, it's hard to put it into into words, you know, to be honest with you. I mean, just so much, of course, um, of course, on the field, uh, you know, going through different reps, running different routes, uh, different cuts, uh, how to treat your body, how to take care of yourself. Um, but beyond that, I mean, just everything mental, you know, attitudes, uh, mindset, you know, what what it takes to uh, accomplish those things and uh, to be great, you know, um, really left a lasting impact on me and will uh, carry on to my professional career. Can you imagine being a teammate of his once again in Carolina? That ever crossed your mind? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah you know, we're, we're not afraid to put, you know, the gang back together, put that put that McLevin back out there, you know, a few more times. We won't fight that. Also, when you were at Stanford, you were runner-up for the Heisman Trophy to Baker Mayfield. Did you get to spend any time with Baker in New York, Bryce, and see what he was like and see the type of impact that he'd have at the NFL level? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, we were up there with uh, Baker and Lamar. And, uh, you know, of course, seeing the success that they both have, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, they have the talent. But even beyond anything else from, you know, just meeting them, you know, the attitude that they have, you know, how they carry themselves, Um you know, Baker just has that perfect mindset, you know, uh, Lamar as well. And, you know, just seeing them do things that they did at the next level, of course, it wasn't a surprise at all. Uh, you know, they come from good people, good families. Um, so, yeah, yeah, you know, I was definitely confident in the success that they would both have. Bryce, after meeting with teams and going to the combine, do you have any sense of where you might wind up both in terms of a team and a round at all? You're obviously a very smart guy. I'm sure there's some insight yeah. you might have. What do you got for us there? Yeah, yeah. Um, Zach, I mean, it's just it's just one of those things where, you know, uh, you never really know until draft night. I'll be honest. Uh, you know, so many different things can happen. And, uh, you know, of course, you know, going on visits and um, doing these different things with teams, uh, you know, it's definitely, you know, cool and amazing. Uh, but at the same time, you know, um, you can literally you can literally go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm not even – yeah, I'm not sure at all, but, uh, you know, wherever I end up, you know, I'm going to uh, go out there, compete, and uh, ultimately be the player that I am. Did you have a favorite team growing up, Bryce? No, not not in particular. You know, I've just always been a, a fan of players and a fan of the game. Um, you know, uh, just following different uh, running backs, of course, uh, and respecting greatness in terms of whatever position it may be. Um, but no, no team in particular. And where will you be spending draft weekend? Are you going to be out in Stanford? Are you going to be back home? Where will you be and who will you be watching it with? I'll probably be, uh, well, we'll be in Pensacola just rehabbing, um, probably just in the gym, uh, doing things like that. So uh, kind of probably I'll definitely be with my family and everybody, though. 
And when you when you hear your name called draft weekend, whenever that is, whether that's uh, day one, day two, day three, whatever it may be, have you thought what that moment will be like and what it would mean to you? Uh, I mean, you you definitely try to put it into perspective. Um, you know, as a kid, you know, and definitely now, you know, I, you know, have dreams and aspirations of it for sure, and um, you know, but it coming true and actually living in it, you know, it's just going to be one of those moments that. That'll last forever. Um, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's tough to put in words, but you know, beyond anything else, I know it'll be it'll be emotional, and um, you know, I'm gonna definitely be blessed and excited to uh, go wherever I do. Hey, Bryce. Good luck with the draft. Thanks for taking the time today, and congratulations not just on your athletic success, but your academic greatness at Stanford. Absolutely. Thank you again. Appreciate you for having me on. And so there it is from the Stanford running back Bryce Love, who we wish the very best to from his comeback from a big knee injury. Thank you to Ohio State quarterback Dwayne Haskins, who looks like he's going to become the second Ohio State quarterback in history to be drafted in the first round. Special thanks to our ESPN colleague, Evan Kaplan, for his analytical insight into this upcoming draft. And a special thank you to my friends and colleagues, Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper Jr., who gave us a preview of Thursday night and a review of some of the greatest moments in draft history. And thank you, the listener, for tuning in to another Adam Schefter podcast. Please join us again next week when we review the 2019 NFL Draft. Have a great week, everybody.